Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, Tom Brown jumps into the host chair and we take a look at the curious case of the Western Bulldogs after their defeat last night. Where does that leave them and Coach Luke Beveridge? We'll preview the big game between Melbourne and Brisbane and chat about Brody Grundy and look ahead to the rest of the weekend and a couple of bold predictions from myself and Tom Brown. That's up next on Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk on this Friday, July 14, the place you get all your daily dose of footy, news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. And calling in a bit of an SOS, a bit of a favour today, Tommy Brown. Thank you for your time. We've had a late withdrawal, but we've got a nice substitution in you stepping in today. Thanks, Joey. I've been at the concussion forum this morning in the Docklands. We'll get to that, but I've just dropped in to be with you. It's great to be here on Listeners Footy Talk. Well, we will chat about last night's big win to the Sydney Swans. I mean, wasn't that a little bit of a surprise? Disappointing dogs. We'll preview the big game tonight at the MCG, and then we'll quickly whip through the rest of the games for the weekend. But before we do that, just fill us in a little bit about the concussion, uh, what was it, the, the forum you were at? There's, there's a bit a, going on. There's a forum today, uh, the first forum they've held of this type regarding concussion, Joey, talking about CTE. They're going to hear from some former players, including Alan Stoneham. I think Diesel's down there. Greg Williams, not sure whether he'll talk. Cozzy was due to speak, but I think he, he's not there at this stage. But uh, some leading experts talking about the latest research and the situation with the AFL, talking about things like return to play, obviously the situation regarding Paddy McCartan and his return, and all the contemporary issues regarding concussion. So it's pretty interesting stuff, Joey. I think there's a real uh, – everyone at the moment, I feel, this is at a real crossroads. You've got the AFL with their cl- uh, class action litigation, scratching their heads on how to deal with this. You've got uh, previous players, some of which are in a bad way, and they allege – I was speaking to Alan Stoneham this morning. Says uh, He says he looks fine, but gets these – he says these flashes of light that come across his eyes, a bit like spots, and loses his sight for half an hour. Sometimes that's to pull over driving. So it's a real issue for some of these previous players. But the research isn't necessarily ironclad conclusive. So the AFL's thinking, well, hang on, how much money do we pay out? How do we do this? How much money can we afford to pay out? Is this real? I I think it is real. I think there's an acceptance of that now. But it's a very interesting area, and it's obviously influenced by world sport factors. You've got the situation in America, situation in the UK, even New Zealand with rugby and so forth. It's it's unbelievably interesting. You'd have a whole podcast series speaking about concussion. You'd only scratch the surface. 100%. It is fascinating. And even the the extent of, you know, the impact of concussions for players varies greatly. Like, you know, my wife occasionally, I mean, I forget my keys or forget to do stuff, and I haven't had any concussions. It's not CTE, but, you know, to what extent do players who have had some concussions relate different parts of their moods or, or their personality because of concussion um, and some are severely you know, impacted more than others. So it is it is a hard one to really understand. I think it's going to be a, a, long, a lot of more work to go, isn't it? A lot of work in progress to see where we end up landing and what it looks like and where we get to. But still plenty to play out in that one. But let's get into the footy, Tommy, because last night it was a big game, more so for the Western Bulldogs, really, because it was a top four spot on the line, they could, they could have um, jumped up to equal points with Melbourne. Instead, they found a way to lose a game that really they probably shouldn't have. They dominated all the indicators, all the stats. They won inside 50s, contested ball, clearances, yet the only one that mattered is they lost 76-78 to the Sydney Swans, who, from my eye, wanted it more in the fourth quarter. And the big talking point to come out of it, Tom, and I want your take, is the conversations just around Luke Beveridge and, and this football club and where they sit. Are they a disappointment? Have they not fulfilled their talent with the list they've got? They've re-signed Bevo. They played in the grand final two years ago, but then others think they're underperforming. 
They're a complicated team, the Western Bulldogs, aren't they? I think it's multi-laid. It's complicated because Luke Beveridge, you hear, uh, and this is the, with the greatest respect to the board and uh, also to the CEO, you hear that Luke Beveridge is highly influential around that club. He's got a lot of power. I think it's well justified because he's obviously achieved the ultimate success. He's kept them competitive for a long time, and he's an enormously impressive guy, Luke Beveridge. I, I really like him. He's been in demand by clubs that have been in the coaching market. I even reckon the Saints would yeah. have looked at him when they were in the coaching market. So I think it's premature to say the Bulldogs should be looking at Luke Beveridge. But it is a bit of a head-scratcher because there's an element of the program looking a bit fatigued or a bit tired. That's from the outside. It's always You've always got to assess it from within. So I think they should obviously stick, certainly, with Luke Beveridge at the moment. But it comes at a time when the club, there could be some change. If Amit Baines, the CEO, for example, went to the executive general manager of footy role at the AFL, that's, a, that's an if at this stage. But the Bulldogs are, are a bit of a head-scratcher. What was your view on the recruitment of Lobb, for example? Like, did they need another tool? Well, I understood at the time why they did it. And they, I think they were public about, they still thought that Jamara needed a little bit more time, that Tim English needed some support as the second ruck. Sam Darcy, they wanted to allow time to develop. So it was almost, he was a bit of a gap stop for this two to three year period to allow Sam Darcy and Jamara to become the players they were. But it hasn't worked. And look, I'm okay with, with clubs taking uh, you know, a player that they think are going to suit a role. And if they don't, it doesn't work out. Well, you can't be bound by it. You've got to go with, you know, what what's best for the team at the moment. But it hasn't worked at this year. Hasn't worked. Well, it hasn't worked yet. Having said that, they're still in contention. Last right. night was a big disappointment because they could have jumped into the top four. Yeah. And I think they demonstrated against the Pies, certainly in that final quarter and the first quarter last week, that they can match it with the best sides. So they're not far off the mark, the Bulldogs. I think they're one of the better sides still. So I think Bevo's going all right in summary. Just as an adjunct there, Joey, Aaron Norton kicked three goals last night. Plenty of clubs will absolutely be looking at him in terms of uh, whether they could target him at the end of next year out of contract. Yeah, absolutely. But look, unless there's nothing English as well is out of contract, unless these players are desperate to change clubs, generally they stay. You know, I mean, the, the offers will be reasonable and fair and they'll get well paid. But yeah, it is fascinating. Sydney Swans, credit to them. Uh, Marcus Bontempelli was brilliant, but uh, you know, the Swans got the job done. Just on the Swans, are we rating this season a huge disappointment given they are in the grand final last or do you think there's some mitigating factors? For example, they lost both their key defenders, the McCartan brothers, for the best part mm. of the season. Take Darcy Moore and Jeremy Howe out of Collingwood, and they yeah. wouldn't be on top of the ladder. No, it is mitigating circumstances. I, I, look, to be fair, if you if you look at it quite rationally, Tom, I think there are 10 teams that are all be a bit disappointed with where their year's at. Anyone that's not in the top four, like I think from, you know, uh, Richmond and Geelong, Sydney, Fremantle, Carlton, um, you know, even as much as Adelaide, Essendon and St Kilda have probably um, gone above expectation, they'd be a bit disappointed with some of their performances as well. It's been one of those years where really I think there's three teams that are standouts and the rest have just been scratching and clawing, trying to find their best football. So, Do you rate the grunt factor of the Sydney Swans midfield, which is famous for their toughness? No, nah, well, they, yeah, that's, that's not so much the case anymore. They are not necessarily a contested ball clearance team the last few years. I, I mean, they've got some youngsters in there, Warner and, and Errol Goulden are going to be stars and Rowbottom, uh, Mills. So, look, it, it's it's an issue for them, but their ball movement won the game. They were able to move the ball against the Western Bulldogs, and, and that's been a big factor. So, you're right, though, fine line. Dogs win two more points different and they're sitting fourth at the moment or, you know, thereabouts and they lose and they're going to be outside the eight. So fascinating, but they've got a pretty good run still on the run home. So I think they'll play finals. Yeah, so do I. And it's interesting with Sydney in terms of their finals hopes. They'd need uh, Geelong, Essendon, a few of those clubs to start losing a lot of games. I just can't see, given the quality of the teams just in that bottom part of the eight, 
I can't see Sydney making the finals. Yeah, and they got the job done for uh, John Longmire, who was, it was quite an emotional tribute for him. 300 games as coach, 200 as a player, so 500 games all up. And it looked like they dug in for him in the last quarter. Hey, I want to get to tonight's game. This is a big one. Melbourne v Brisbane. Talk about top four on the line. Melbourne need the win to almost sort of cement that top four spot. They lose. They leave themselves vulnerable. Brisbane want to break this. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this MCG, you know, record. I know that Chris Fagan hates it. I just quickly had a look, Tom. Like, 2019 was when they started to be good, the Brisbane Lions. So anything yeah. before that, they, were, they weren't winning anywhere, let alone at, uh, at the MCG. And they've won one of their seven. They won a final last year. A couple of their losses have been to teams like Richmond and Melbourne, who were humming over this sort of four-year period, one of the best teams. So, but they look – they're incredibly hard to beat at the Gabba. Yeah. Like, for example, against Collingwood in the early part of this season. So they've got franked form there. Yep. They look a shadow of themselves, in my view, at the MCG. Now, you mentioned some of their opponents. They so played they, really poorly against Hawthorne. That's no doubt. They played poorly against Hawthorne. That's the only time they've played there this year. And last year, they went one and one in two finals at the MCG against Geelong and Melbourne. So, look, it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be a fascinating game. Uh, Brisbane are certainly in better form than Melbourne. But I want to ask you about Brody Grundy. Big news the last couple of days getting dropped. Uh, they've basically said, you've got to go back, work on your Ford craft. We're going to give Max Gorn the keys to the ruck again and see if he can lead the team to finding their best football. That's really what it is for me. They're looking to find what their best mix is. They know best they're in the mix. Mm. Goodwin's, in my view, and this is really brave, just tinkering yep. at this time of the year to get them humming it's risky in September. I really like it. I do too. He's I think not going to die wondering. And they've tried everything else with their Ford mix, haven't they? Yeah. They've tried Ben Brown and Van Royen and Joel Smith, and they've tried the two. This is almost their last play. Right, let's see what it looks like with just the one ruck. And now's the time to find out because in the next month, you've got to get settled and go, right, this is the team we're going with. This is going to be the you know the, the look for the finals. So I'm okay with it. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. We're not going to know until tonight and potentially next week to see if, if it actually works and the, improves the Grundy their ball decision, movement and their connection forward. Yeah, I agree. The Grundy decision's multi-laid and interesting for mine. Obviously, A, because how it relates to Melbourne and the fact that they've sent Petrarca forward. They obviously think that Rand, Van Royen is better dedicated up forward and they've got the best tap ruckman argument in the competition mm. in Max Gorn. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's skewed by the fact that they've got a unique mix, Melbourne. Then you've got the trade layer with Collingwood and what they decided to do in terms of getting – it freed up money to get Mitchell, Hill and McStay – and Collingwood, I guess at times have been have been criticised over that decision. It was a bold decision. So no one likes to see Brody obviously in his form. He's been okay, but I mean, I'll be interested in your views, Joey, from a pace perspective. It just seems like, particularly last week, Collingwood cranked things up in the third quarter against the Bulldogs. Passages of play leading to the finals now seem to be, especially as we come into better weather, driven by pace. Brody's not quick, so he's got to take marks down the line. He hasn't been doing that. So then you've got to ask yourself, well, if he, he, A, is he too slow? And B, he's got to get his aerial marking going. Yeah, oh, look, and as I said off the top, I'm okay with teams making decisions to try and strengthen their list. Not every one of them's going to work, but you've got to try something. And if it doesn't, you don't have to play them. You don't have to commit to it. So the Bulldogs we touched on don't have to commit to Rory Lobb. Uh, they don't have to commit to playing Brody Grundy. And, and there's a part of me that thinks this might work for Melbourne. They might be a bit a quicker, a bit more nimble. Give Max Gorn 80% of the ruck time like he's done for the last 10 years and being able to dominate it and see if they can play better footy. And that's okay. I think it's okay to have Brody Grundy as a backup in the VFL. He's still going to be needed at times. Uh, they can mix it up, but maybe not for the rest of this year. I'm one of those guys that thinks that Max Gorn, when he gets busier, gets better. Yeah. So I think when Max Gorn is in the dedicated ruck position with 80-plus percent game, 
game time. He just gets involved in the game and his possessions can go like from 20, 25 up to 30. And he, beca- he can become like an amazing – I think it's a, I, I think this could work. It would just, it's fascinating to see. I've got to keep a watch. I think so as well. The only caveat is just think Max Gorn's going to be 32 in December. How long can he sustain being this dominant ruckman that we all just picture and, and all love? At some point, he's starting to just come off a little bit. Is it now? Is I, maybe that's the reason why his year hasn't been as good as maybe they hoped. More so, not because of the combination of Grundy and Gorn, but is it just the fact that he's starting to, you know, be on the wrong side of thirty? I don't like. I don't mean to be short-sighted because you can get a bit short-sighted uh, in July as a, as a supporter of whatever club. But uh, geez, Melbourne fans, if they could get twelve good weeks out of Max Gorn now and they could win a flag, then that's the plan. <laughs> worry that's about what, next year. Next that's year. what they are trying to do. Hey, we'll take a quick break, Tommy, because we'll then whip through the rest of the games this weekend. If you want to get involved, you can send us a message on Instagram at FootyTalk underscore Pod or on TikTok. You're listening to Footy Talk. We're here with Tom Brown on this Friday. We take a look to the rest of the round. Tom, the first game, we'll look at the Pies v Dockers. G. Collingwood get even stronger this weekend. Sidebottom, Maynard and McStay back into the side. Tom Mitchell will be the sub, we believe, so he will just uh, manage his minutes. And Fremantle have been a bit banged up by injury, having a poor year. It looks pretty straightforward. The Pies win this one at the MCG. It looks straightforward. There's no such thing in footy these days, but uh, it does look straightforward on the surface. The Pies obviously want to win clearly, uh, A, to maintain their form, but B, to stay in that top two. No one wants to play in Adelaide or Brisbane in the first round of the finals, so that's really important. As far as the Dockers are concerned, there's a bit of pressure. I wouldn't say there's pressure yet on Justin Longmuir because I think he's a really, well, I think he's a good coach, but they have been unbelievably inconsistent this year, the Dockers, uh, Joey, so I think that's the that's that's an issue for them tomorrow. Yep, yeah, it is. Being forgotten, though, that they are the second youngest list uh, in the competition. On average this year, they've been one of the, the bottom three teams, so they uh, might have that dip year and look to spike, but we're I want to talk about the St Kilda via the Gold Coast Suns game. Tom, of course, we know about Stewie Jew during the week. Stephen King, who did play a couple of seasons with us at St Kilda, will take over as interim coach. What's your latest on or and your take on the whole Stuart Jew situation since the, the sacking early in the week? I think well, my understanding is that Jew's gone overseas with his family for a break. I think the sort of the media playbook and all this, just putting my media hat on, Joey, is that uh, I think you're better off not sort of talking too much. I mean, um, he'd, I imagine, want to get another senior assistant role. Brett Ratton did it really um, in a terribly classy fashion from St Kilda, went away from footy, um, did some personal stuff, I think on a farm or whatever, um, spent time with his family and then just came back into coaching and then spoke. So I imagine Jew might speak, for example, on Fox during the, the finals, but he hasn't spoken this week publicly, which I respect. Um, in terms of the decision, I don't think anyone is jumping up and down that it was a terribly unfair decision. I think the debate's more around how they did it. It's always messy, isn't it? Like in terms of how the Gold Coast backed him the week before. I thought Mark Evans spoke okay in that in so far as he did say, look, if we if our form can't turn around, come back and speak to me. Having said that, they lost to Port Adelaide, which is hardly a, it was hardly a yeah, form slump. Can I ask that. you, and I've asked a few of the other that have been around a long time with the, the media, Tell me, because everyone's saying in hindsight they didn't handle it well. Tell me, though, once Caroline Wilson went with the news on the Monday night, what were the options for the Gold Coast Suns? What could they have done to have had people say they handled that better? Because if they'd have said nothing, could you imagine the whole week? We would have been going on about the deathly silence, that nobody's come out to support you. It would have been pretty significant. They did come out and speak, and I thought, as you said, Mark Evans didn't really say anything that was sort of out of, you know, over the top in regards to the full support of Stewie Jew. He was contracted, which he was. And what was the other option? Come out Tuesday morning and say, yep, you got us, 
um, Carolyn Wilson's right, we're sacking Jew. Like, what, what could they have done differently? I think the chairman in that week that Caro went with that story was overseas on yeah. a break. So I imagine he had to come back through the press conference. The only thing they could have done differently is probably um, not supported you in that week, mm. basically. That's the only thing what, they so could have done. So not say anything? Not say anything. But Just then imagine, imagine the week that we would have, the media would have been banging on about well, Stewie Jew. they would have gone into the port game. It would have been blaringly obvious what was going on. Yes. It would have been awkward for that weekend. But then but what it, if they won? What if Gold Coast had have come out and won that Port Adelaide game? By their own admission, they were never going to beat Port. Well, that's, yeah. That's, that's the difference. Mm. I just think that, or, or Mark should have used slightly more measured language. The problem with what Mark even said is that by definition, you can then never believe what a club says in regards to an issue. Mm. What did he say? Because we Nick Rewatt and I did this on Tuesday. I think everything he said was pretty factual. He's our coach. He's contracted for this year and next year. Yeah, but the, no, that, 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 and that bit was okay. He said he's contracted for this year and next year, and then he said, and if he performs, yeah. he'll get an extension. Yeah. He should never use the extension word at that point. They clearly knew what was going on at that point. They must have had these so-called data points from whatever investigation they conducted. They weren't happy with due prior to the port, mm. port loss. So I wouldn't have used that. And then he was obviously asked, well, what happens if the performances don't turn around? I, I, look, in summary, I, I, I agree with a lot, a lot of what you just said. I think yeah. it was a no-win situation. Yep, that's right. Sacking that, is always awkward, whether you work at the local factory or work work for a football club. It doesn't matter. It's never good sacking people. That's right. That's right. And I still thought that even his comment about if he does a good job, he'll get an extension. I think there's a little caveat. If they'd have won their last seven games of the year, then they probably wouldn't have sacked him. And so they're probably so he probably was technically right. If they'd have beaten Port Adelaide and won the rest of the games, but as soon as they would have lost, then it would probably... And you're a keen follower of American sports. I mean, yeah. they sack coaches over there that make the playoffs. Yeah, I know. So I actually think, I actually <laughs> Three think of the, the winningest AFL, NBA coaches got sacked at the end of the year after winning most of the games. So the AFL, like these new coaches into the system, you know, obviously um, uh, McWalter, for example, at Richmond, those guys know when they're going for these jobs that's unbelievably risky. I'm not saying it's good, but it's, it's a risky business. Oh, and you do get a risk premium. I mean, hopefully... For due sake, you would have put a bit of money away and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough business. Yeah, no, nah, tough, tough gig being a senior coach. Who'd want to be a senior coach? Now, the Saints, uh, Jack Paris is going to make his debut, son of Nova Paris, who won an Olympic gold medal in the hockey and ran as a sprinter at the Olympics. So well done to him. Uh, he's got a lot of speed. Would that surprise you, Tom? He's actually quite fast. Uh, so well done. <laughs> good luck. Good and Max King hopefully can get back by final. So looking forward to that. Of course, Carlton, Port Adelaide. Port are going to have seven outs. A couple of big ones. Charlie Dixon, Jason Horn, Francis, Willie Rioli. I've got a, I've just got a little gut feel Carlton might be able to pull this off. But now that I've seen the changes, they're playing full of confidence, Carlton. They're playing good footy. This is the Carlton I expected at the start of the year. Just you can hold me to it. On they're next a confident week. side, aren't they? They are a confident side. But they're their form needs confident. to be franked against a better opposition, and this is the week. This is the week. And this if they the- win this. They might only need to win, well, not only, but three of their five or six games against those better opponents, which is achievable, and they could make finals. Potentially. Wouldn't that throw we us need to go back. Works. I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the, Cornsy's segment or one of those needs to go back on all the media uh, media commentators that ruled the Blues out of the finals. It probably included me, to be honest with you. Um, Carr, the Cats take on the Bombers. Zachy Merritt, 200 games. What a leader he has become. Interesting for me, they've said they are managing the Geelong. They are managing Asava, Radigalia, and Zach Tui. I believe the Zach Tui one because he's post-30 and played a lot of footy. Radigalia, 25-year-old who's come back in the side in recent weeks. He's had a long layoff. Interesting to see. I think they're another one. A bit like Melbourne, Tommy. I think they're trying to find their best mix in the back half of the ground rather than the, the front half. But we'll see how that game goes. What did you make of the discussion this week regarding where that game's being played? The Bombers have been very diplomatic. That's Geelong's home game. 
100% got to be played in But July. the whole AFL fixturing is based on attendance. They put out all these press releases every week. We've got 5 million people to the footy or 4 million. Like well, if, not, if that's the case, then every Collingwood away game should be at the MCG because they fill out every other stadium. If they yeah, play at Adelaide Oval or Gold Coast, they fill it. So they should play in the I MCG. don't mind it. No, I think it's, it's fine. It's good down there at the Cattery. It's a bit old-fashioned. I like it. The other game we'll look at, Tom, the Crows v. the GWS Giants. Congratulations to Rory Sloan, game 250. But what about the Crows throwing... A reported six-year deal at Mason Redmond. Do you know anything about that? I, only that it's a big deal and it's bigger than the Bombers deal at this stage. So uh, I just checked out that this morning. Um, that's interesting as far as Redmond's concerned. But I like Brad Scott's position. He's not going to beg Redmond and Parrish to stay. He's creating an environment where players want to be there. And that's a big decision for Redmond and obviously by extension Parrish. I know we're talking about Redmond. But um, those a lot of those free agency discussions now, Joey, will now heat up. There's only yep. six or seven rounds to go of the season. The CBA, that's the players pay deal, sort of been dragging on a bit. Those meetings have been happening in the background. Um, so that's stalled some of that. But they'll certainly, whether the CBA is completed or not in the next few weeks, those free agency discussions will now really come to a head. Yeah, it's a big it's a big time. It's a big period too because I think that most free agents have had their pitches from other clubs and they've probably met the other clubs and done all those things. They, a lot of them happen during the buy and whatever. So now it's the decision-making process. So if players haven't committed now, you're wondering to think whether they are leaning towards going another club because you don't want to make a decision and, and say anything publicly while the season's playing That's out. That's a tough one for Redmond because the Crows, with all their controversy a couple of years ago, were a semi-basket case. Mm. They've got their house in order quickly. They're a powerhouse club. They're playing good football. They've proven this year they're competitive. And the Bombers are going well as well. Tough so decision. Bombers are fine. Decision yeah. Why would you leave Essendon if you're happy? So up to Mason Redmond. We'll see how that plays out. Of course, North Melbourne play the Hawks. That's going to be fascinating, but we won't worry too much about that one. In the last game, West Coast Richmond. Congratulations to Robbie Tarrant, who has officially retired after 194 games for the Kangaroos and the Tigers. Tom Lynch's year is officially done. Tom, but there's some news on the West Coast Eagles. Someone's been dropped. Yeah, they've dropped Andrew Gaff officially today, one of their most distinguished players. They're hoping that there's a bit of a reset for Gaff, who's been out of form in recent weeks and can return towards the end of the season. But he's one of their heart and soul star players. That's a statement from Adam Simpson and just a bit of a sign of where things are at. Yeah, really struggling. Hey, we always finish, Tom, and I'll give you one second. I'll go first. We need a bold prediction. What is going to be a bit of a storyline to come out of the weekend's footy? For me, I'm going to go with the boldest of bold. Everyone will be jumping on the Blues bandwagon come Monday morning and starting to talk about are the Blues a bit of a sleeper in the competition when they knock off Port Adelaide on the weekend. That is my bold prediction, Tom. I'm a huge fan of Chris Scott and the Cats. I just think they're an unbelievably well-run club. They're a bit like the Swans. They've just got this culture, something in the water. They're a very good operation. But I think the Bombers can beat the Cats at the Cattering. The Bombers can beat the Cats? Yes. Boy, oh boy. The Bombers are just, I keep questioning them, and every time I keep questioning them, they win. I'm with you. I've been I've been under um, underestimating them most of the year too, Tom, so uh, I like it. Hey, thank you for your time. Thanks for jumping in the seat. Enjoy your weekend. Of course, tomorrow I'll be on Footy Talk with Jay Clark. We'll look at tonight's game and preview the rest of the weekend. Until then, happy Friday. Listener.